You're listening to The Problem with Poverty, a podcast that helps bring awareness to the causes and consequences of poverty, as well as ways that we can overcome the problems with poverty together. Our company, Community Action Partnership of North Alabama, serves 28 counties in our beautiful state. According to 2019 estimates by the U.S. Census, Alabama was the seventh poorest state with 15.5% of its residents living in poverty, as compared with a U.S. average of 11.1%. Our goal with this show is to highlight all of the opportunities that we and our partners have to help people overcome poverty as we focus on helping people changing lives. Welcome to the Problem with Poverty podcast. I'm your host, Holly Hicks. Our guest today is Cindy Anderson, Director of the Community Services at Community Action Partnership of North Alabama. Cindy leads the partnership's daily operations for all community services, including utility assistance in Morgan, Lawrence, Coleman, Marion, and Winston counties, as well as the Meals on Wheels and More program in Morgan County. Cindy supports the United Way of Morgan County in several capacities that include conducting monthly agency directors' meetings, serving as a liaison between the agency directors and the United Way board, and as a long-term campaign committee chairperson that works directly with all sister nonprofits. Cindy is the president of the local Women's Chamber of Commerce, a board member of the Morgan County Chamber of Commerce, and a member of Daybreak Rotary. Welcome, Cindy, and please introduce us to your friend. Thank you, Holly. I appreciate you inviting us to be here. Um, This is Maudie Juarez. Um, Maudie and I have worked together here at Community Action for the last 13 years. Um, Maudie's official title is the Resource Specialist, um, but Maudie is my right-hand person. Um, She is my go-to. She never forgets anything, so she is the LIHEAP police, the water assistance police. She remembers guidelines front and back and so she is she is my go-to and I could not survive without Maudie in my life. Welcome Maudie. Thank you. I want to start with some statistics that relate to poverty and programs. The Center on Budget and Policy Priorities said in 2021 our success as a nation depends on whether all people regardless of race or ethnicity have the opportunity to thrive. Economic security programs lifted 39 million people above the poverty line in 2017, including nearly 9 million children. Some 83 million people are below the poverty line when government assistance, income, and taxes are not considered, and 44 million when they are. Government benefits and tax policies cut the poverty rate from 25.6% to 13.5% in 2017, and from 25.5% to 13.6% among children. As a director of community services at CABNA, and as a staff member with community services at CABNA, how do economic security programs like the low-income home energy assistance program and the low-income household water assistance program help address what you believe is the problem with poverty? Well, this is a tremendous benefit to the um, eligible households that we serve. Uh, The majority of the households have senior adults and disabled household members, and their income is fixed, Um, whether it's a Social Security check, a SSI check, a disability. um, And so their income is not going to change, and they don't have the capacity to increase that income. So, um, and expenses continue to increase. So our program is um, 
just very helpful to them in situations where, um, you know, we can assist with their their utility or their water bill. Um, that frees up money um, that you know for medications that they may need for food, other household items um, that that they need on a regular basis. So it's um, it's a tremendous benefit to to those clients that we serve. So Madi, I want to follow up with that as a frontline staff member. Are people who come in for assistance served every time they come in? Is there a limit? How do you determine when and how to serve the families who apply? They are not served every time they come in. Unfortunately, we always wish we could, but we cannot. Right now, we are able to help additional times because of additional funding from ADECA, but we do have those cases where unfortunately they are over income even though they've gotten help before. Let's say some months they get paid weekly, they might have five paychecks this month instead of four. That fifth paycheck will typically throw them over income. Even if they're paid every two weeks, sometimes there's that third pay period, it will throw them over income and we have to just instruct them when to reapply, what the income guidelines are. It's heartbreaking because you know when somebody comes in here, they're in need. We try to offer them other resources, send them to places that may not be based on income, but we do have those clients that believe that because they've gotten help before, they're always going to be eligible, and unfortunately, that's not the case. Where do the guidelines come from? Do they are established with the agency or? No, we follow ADECA's guidelines sent directly to us from the state, from Montgomery. That's a state set or federal? It's federal guidelines. Federal mm-hmm. guidelines. And how often do they change? Yearly. We'll get a new one through them, typically to start our fiscal year in October. So what I hear is my income this year may not qualify me for assistance, but next year, based on the income guidelines, I may qualify for assistance. There is the possibility, yes. And we did have some seniors, because they um, received an increase this year, it put them slightly above the income guideline, which was um, heartbreaking, um, because you know we've assisted them for, for many years, and just a slight increase like that... Um, Unfortunately, we cannot can no longer assist them. Um, hopefully, that's something that um, at the federal level they'll take into consideration. So, you know, we can um, continue to serve them because they are, um, even though they're slightly income, you can be a dollar over. And if you don't, you know, if you're over income, you are, whether it's a dollar or a hundred dollars. There's no tweaking the system. We can't go in there and change that amount. Is there a source of funding that is not tied to the poverty guidelines that maybe someone is able to tap into if they have an emergency? So we do have um, a couple of partnerships um, throughout the agency, like with uh, Decatur Utilities and Joe Wheeler, where um, customers have the opportunity to give additional on their utility bill. Um, They may just pay a dollar more per month. And those funds go into um, an account, um, you know, that we we administer, but it's a one-time only type fund. Um, You know, it takes a whole lot of $1 contributions from utility customers um, to help somebody pay a bill, but but we're lucky that we have those partnerships. And um, are there any other... 
in other counties, not here in Morgan County, we do have ABC, yeah. ABC Trust. Um, their income guidelines are a little bit higher. So if you do not qualify for LAHEAP, you may qualify for ABC. That is also just on a limited time basis, and it only pays a certain amount towards your bill. It may not pay the whole bill. Hartsu Utilities, Joe Wheeler, Decatur Utilities, they Coleman, are, Electric. Coleman Electric, they, like Miss Cindy was saying, they'll take donations from their customers and we are allowed to administer those funds. We're very careful with those funds because it does take a lot of donations to make that pot of money. And we do tell customers if they receive money from those sources, this is a one-time deal. Unfortunately, you're over income for the program that's federally funded. But because you are in an emergency, we're going to go ahead and pay X amount towards your bill to help you out for this moment. Is there a fixed amount that folks receive or? Typically, it's the exact amount of their bill up to no higher than $300 or $350. So if your bill is over that, you'll have to pay the outrage. So it's distributed mostly evenly across the board. Yes. Yes. Let's move to additional statistics. Beginning in 2011, the Census Bureau began reporting the supplemental poverty measure that includes both cash resources and non-cash benefits from government programs aimed at families with low incomes, and the thresholds vary by state. For the services that you provide at CAPNA, do you include other benefits to determine eligibility, or is it just straight income based on the poverty guidelines? It is straight income based on poverty guidelines. Unfortunately, we do not do any type of deductions for child care, mortgage, rent. If you're receiving additional benefits from other agencies, though, that's a plus. We do not count your food stamp amount towards income. We do count, however, if you receive family assistance, a lot of families in the area receive TANF. So we do count that as income received, but food stamps and other benefits we do not count. However, on the contrary to that, we do not have deductions either. Because you're frontline service, what differences do you see and your staff see in the families that you serve with utility assistance? A lot of the families that come in are in need. It puts them in a situation where perhaps their outlook on life is not what it is for a typical family because they are in a crisis situation. It humbles you to be frontline because you know that at any moment you could be in their situation. We have a lot of families that come in that have never received assistance. They just lost their job. Their car broke down. All of their money went towards their car being repaired. Just different situations. It, typically, A typical family, as you're saying, would not come in here looking for assistance. So just have- coming in here already makes you different. Do you have any stories that stand out for maybe a first-time recipient or even a long-time recipient that made an impact on you? I know from my office, I hear lots of conversations that go on. Um, I hear clients say, you just do not know the difference that you just made in my life, you know. Um, They get emotional about it. They say, can I give you a hug? I appreciate this help so much. You just don't know what this means. So I hear that on a regular basis, and that just um, warms my heart because you know 
that they sincerely are grateful for for that help. And so um, I am fortunate to get to hear that um, on a regular basis. And um, and it's encouraging. Um, one of the things we try to do as a team is um, leave our clients with a an encouraging word, um, just something because they're in desperate situations many times, just to let them know that someone cares. Um, it, just small acts of kindness mean so much. And so to me, it's just... Um, it's wonderful to overhear those types of conversations and to see clients leaving with tears in their eyes or just so emotional because they did receive assistance. And, you know, it's, it is, it, it makes your job, um, it's so fulfilling to me to be able to serve in that capacity and just to witness it. There is a client that stands out, and I always remember him. He was a first-time client. He was in his thir- he's in his 30s, or he was in his 30s. It's been several years ago. It was before COVID happened, but he was a first-time client. He had been referred to us by a neighbor. He didn't know what we did, but a neighbor told him. His hours had dropped at work, and he was having a hard time. He came in. We were able to help him. He qualified, offered us. We gave him you know, his voucher, sent everything over to his vendor, and about an hour later, he called us and said he had gotten to work and his coworkers had taken up a donation to help him pay for his utility bill. And he wanted to give us our money back. And it was just one of those things where he was having car trouble because he had talked to us about it in his appointment. And we're like, use that money towards your car because our vouchers going towards your utilities. So it it is heartwarming to know that they tr- people truly appreciate what we do and these programs truly make a difference and to know that even in the you know outside of our agency you know his coworkers were trying to help him they didn't have to do that they didn't know he was coming here for assistance and just to know that he was just humble enough to call back and say i don't need this anymore cuz my coworkers took up a donation and i'm good but because he was able he talked to us about his issues he was able to put that money towards getting his car fixed so somehow we helped him in other areas that he didn't even know we could. So that it's, it feels good. Those are the stories we want to hear. <laughs> the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities notes in a report that to cut poverty rates and racial and ethnic dis- disparities in half, more is needed in the way of expanding housing vouchers, expanding food assistance, strengthening the earned income tax credit, a universal child care allowance, and increasing the minimum wage. And while CAPNA doesn't provide any of these services directly, what actions are being taken by CAPNA to help support families living in poverty with the programs that you do offer? So yes, um, we do, when we talk with clients, we do look at, um, uh, we assess their needs and can refer them for um, other services that we're aware of. It could be things within our own agency that we could um, make a referral for. It could be things outside of our agency. 211 is a, is a resource that we send um, clients. We direct them that way um, on a regular basis. But there's also um, Sister United Way agencies that we can refer for, like um, minor home repairs, ramps, um, air conditioning units. You know, there's um, there's always 
additional needs that families are going to have. So part of that assessment process, when we're asking those questions, um, we can make referrals to other community resources um, that may benefit that household. Well, we do have, like Miss Cindy was saying, several different areas of referrals. When we're asking those questions, you know, we just make families understand we're not asking you to get in your business or these are not things we just want to know about you and a lot of things are personal and private but in order for us to help you beyond let me just give you a voucher for your electricity you know you may mention you can't pay for your medication this month and we can possibly have a referral where you can get a discount on your medication or another agency that might help you specifically with that so we just want all of our clients to know that when we're asking you these questions throughout in, in your interview with us, it's to help you. And you mentioned um, the help with prescriptions. You know, we do have um, several partnerships, like with the Community Free Clinic here in Morgan County. And so if they're uninsured, you know, we can refer them there. Um, the same in Coleman County, we have the partnership with Good Samaritan. So, you know, those are some partners that we have that um, we also support um, with financially, um, but we can make those referrals um, in a situation where they say they don't have health insurance or they can't get their medication refilled. Um, So so that is a good example. I want to go to some top listener frequently asked questions. If I'm a listener and I have no experience that you all have with folks receiving assistance, I can only form my opinion based on social media or word of mouth. And my question is, as one of those folks, don't people who get help with their utility bill or other economic support just use the money they save on utilities, on things they don't need, like tattoos or a new TV? We went to a training once, and as humans, naturally we make that conclusion. You know, we have biased opinions. It was a training based on how to accept our own biases and look beyond what you see. So for example, you know, we had somebody that came in with a designer handbag, hair perfectly done, nails done, and driving a pretty nice car. That was our example in our training class. You know, you as a intake worker, as a social worker, what do you see? And They're coming to ask for help, but it looks like, wait a minute, you could have saved your money and paid your bill. Because, again, as humans, automatically we we look and we judge. Unfortunately, that is human nature. But what if that purse is a gift from her grandmother that passed away and she's just not ever going to part with it? That car is her parents' car because she doesn't own a car. She can't help what kind of car her parents drive. Her nails were done by her sister that's in cosmetology school and has to practice, and she does her sister's nails for free. And her best friend gifted her that gift card to go to a hair salon because she hadn't had her hair done in months. All of these things are possible. You don't know that, but you've already judged this person based on what you think is the truth, and it may be far from it. So we can't see the struggle that families have on the outside exactly they're not wearing a sign that says i haven't worked in six months i'm struggling i'm in crisis i need help or my hours were dropped because i'm a waitress and people started ordering doordash instead of coming to eat here we don't know all of those things so instead of just 
offering your judgment, offer assistance. And we're glad we can do that here. And the question for every guest that we like to ask is, what does someone living in poverty have to do with me? And why should I care? I just always say that, that everybody is one bad day away from being in the same situation. Something that we um, experienced a lot during the COVID pandemic, you know, we assisted a lot of first-time clients because um, a house, you know, unfortunately households' incomes decreased. Either their hours were cut or they, um, you know, lost their jobs, unfortunately. So we saw a lot of first-time clients um, because, you know, they, they had the need and they didn't realize that these benefits were out there and available to them. So, um, you know, many of those clients did not return, but it was, it was an eye-opener to see that you can be one paycheck away from qualifying for assistance. And um, it is, it's wonderful to know that our agency can meet that need, whether it's one time or on an ongoing basis for those that, that qualify. That's, you know, especially our elderly disabled clients that we know, you know, their situation's not going to change. As the provider of services for folks who are struggling, living in poverty, who holds the responsibility for overcoming poverty? Is it the individual or family living in poverty? Is it the community? Is it the government? How do you feel? I think it can be a cycle. I think poverty can be learned. I think a lot of times this is what you know, this is what you've grown up with, this is what you've seen, you know no differently. So if you want to get out of it, it is your own individual struggle. But a lot of it also has to do with your environment and what's out there and what's available for you. So if there's no jobs available, where are you supposed to go work? even if you want to work. I think it's everything. Everything that you mentioned has to do with the poverty in your area. Cindy, I'll let you have the last word. Um, I would agree with that, definitely. Um, I think it falls on all of us, the individual, the community, um, those at the the state and federal level. Um, I think it will take all of us working together um, to address this. Um, as you know, it's been going on for how many years now? 50? Um, so, you know, um, I think it's always going to be something that we um, have a need to address and to get stronger, but I think it takes everyone um, doing their part to make that happen. Cindy and Maudie, thank you for joining us to talk about the economics of poverty.